and welcome back to HTCML, How Technology Changed My Life podcast. In this episode, you're going to learn more about Amy Robinson and her journey as a digital brand superhero. At the time of this conversation, Amy was working for a company and running Tiny Fox Creative as a side hustle. I am excited to announce that Amy is now running Tiny Fox Creative as her full-time assignment as God has told her it's time for her next chapter. Enjoy learning more about Amy and use her services for digital content and branding of your businesses. She does amazing work. Enjoy the conversation. So I want to thank you, Miss Amy Robinson, for being on HTCML, How Technology Changed My Life podcast. I would love for you to tell our lovely listeners a little bit more about you, but I'm going to jump right on in and then you can interweave your career and all of that into the conversation. But the first thing I would like to know is what were some of your hobbies as a kid? Good question. First of all, thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. I think it's amazing and I'm excited. Um, Some of my hobbies as a kid, um, reading, drawing, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of drawing, um, video games, and outdoorsy like activities. Like if I could be outside swimming or playing or building a cardboard playhouse for with my sister those types of things that explains why you like running in 110 degrees like yes accurate accurate (laughs) (laughs) yes amy is a phoenix native and i'm a phoenix native but i don't enjoy running like she does so you're saying um, reading, drawing, video games, and outdoors. So of those two, I would say the video games and a little bit I know about you and the drawing is kind of what led you into your, I will call it tech career, graphic design and things like that. So so do you think those were your first, the video games was your first exposure to technology or STEM? Yes, Um Outside of, like, being the physical remote control for my parents if the TV knob broke, um, (laughs) you know, go up and change channel. Um, I would definitely say that video games was, that was the gateway to enjoying and living with technology and loving technology. Um, And then just the fandom, right? Like, uh, the original Nintendo came out during my time, so just that fandom around it um, and, and realizing and looking back how interweaved it is with design, because there is a very big portion of other types of design that go into that, but how the characters were drawn, I'm trying to mimic, you know, and draw Mario. So those two were very connected with, you know, how I interpreted how Mario looked when I drew it, what the packaging looked like and how that was designed. That was all very interesting and intriguing to me. Um, how they designed the game covers and what those look like. Or even when we went to to buy them, quote unquote, buy them, rent them from Blockbuster, what those covers look like and how interesting those looked. So very connected and in, in, in tune with that as a kid. So so tell the tell our listeners what what your career path has been, what has led you to I mean, you just told us what led you to tech, but what your career path has led you to and some of the personal and professional things you have done in that in the tech space. 
Um, what, what led me there, it was, it was a very interesting journey because I knew I always wanted to do something in design, art slash design, but I didn't know what. And um, I dabbled in a little bit of everything. I really got into the idea of fashion, the fashion industry and fashion design and brands of, of like clothing, apparel, etc. as I got closer to graduating high school. Um, I, I love drawing clothes. I love drawing dresses. I would draw on stuff when I was at work. Um, and so that just kind of kept me kind of motivated to find some career um, and what that looked like. Um, I, I, I had no idea. So I, I just knew I liked it. And so I, I went through fashion design to explore that. And then I realizing my love for cartoons and animation and video games and how those characters were drawn. I switched my major from fashion design to media arts and animation. And there were some aspects of that that I really liked and other aspects that I didn't really like. And realizing that I really didn't want to be an animator per se, as, as fun as it was to make my own little cartoons and bring them to life. It's not really something that I wanted. So I went the polar opposite and became an esthetician. So I'm giving facials and doing eyebrows. And um, I did that for a couple years. And I was just like, this isn't it either. <laughs> so most of my journey was finding myself and what I did not want to do, right. which I encourage. It's okay. And um, then I, I went back to school. Um, again, still dabbling, just trying to get my, my basics out of the way. And in that time... Uh, you know, I had already met my husband and we were about to get married. And as we were getting married, I realized I want to do everything myself. I want to be DIY and do everything myself. I don't recommend that for every wedding, but I wanted to. <laughs> and in doing so, I made my own wedding invitations mm. and I fell in love with it. I'm like, this has to be a career. Like, what is the job that the person makes wedding invitations? And it was partly because I couldn't find anything that I wanted in my theme. So right. I had to draw, I had to make it myself. So I had to figure out quickly on the fly how to print <laughs> professional invitations on paper, how to make, how to match them, how to match our wedding colors, you know, how they get shipped. And when they do get shipped, the ink doesn't run or transfer onto the envelope. So there was a lot of things I had to, to figure out quickly. Um, and that, launched me forward into finding out what graphic design was and what it wasn't right. right? We all have this idea of, of what, you know, careers and, and things are. Um, and in my head, I'm just like, I want to make something pretty and it's going to be easy. And then as I started going to school for it first at GCC and then moving on to ASU and, and getting into that design program, then I understood what graphic design really was and how important it plays a role in not only my everyday life and things that I touch, but you know, in technology, in fashion design, everything I, I had already touched in my career, graphic design has always had a place somewhere in there. I just never knew it. Right. Um, after graduating from ASU, um, I went straight on to, to, to get it, to get a job. <laughs> um, I was very blessed enough to get hired right out of ASU into the Arizona Cardinals, which was my first, um, big girl job. I had already interned at an advertising agency that was working with the Arizona Cardinals. So they just pulled me right in. Um, and it felt like home. It, it felt like home. And I was able to be that brand superhero doing graphic design 
for the Cardinals video board graphics, social media graphics, um, logos for initiatives, programs, flyers, et cetera, for initiatives. And it was really exciting. And it was something that I really enjoyed. I got, I, I got to put my stamp on a lot of things that players did. And I was like, Oh, I was involved in that. And, um, learning how, again, technology plays a role in so many aspects of graph design that when I was younger and making my invitations, not realizing that. Right. And appreciating that even more so, like I've learned so much. Um, and then that is where I found my love and mixed it with giving back to people right. who may not be able to afford graphic design because yes, it's expensive, um, but want to, to launch something great in their life. They want to leave a legacy and that legacy is a small business idea or a nonprofit idea um, or, or just another wedding invitation right. and they want it to look amazing. And that's where I found my niche in kind of like moving in and, and helping people and bringing that community together through there. And that's where tiny Fox was born. So then I did tiny Fox at the same time as still being this branding superhero for the Cardinals. And um, it let me flex my creative muscle a little bit and, and feel what it's like to be on the other end of those small businesses that I'm helping. Cause I'm now serving myself. Um, and so that allowed me to kind of hone that skill. And I learned something about myself as a designer and how I speak to clients, how I speak about technology, how design is going to affect their business. Um, because I started out and did the same process myself for them. Um, and then that has just taken off and it's, yes. it's been an amazing experience and, and I love it. I love it a lot. And, um, from the Cardinals, I, I felt like I had learned everything I could learn about print design and everything that goes into the technology behind as much as I can, um, for print. Uh, and then I decided, Hey, what happens if I, I put my hands into the web portion of yeah. design. What does it look like to design a website from top to bottom um, and work closely with a developer and, and look through the code and make sure the site launches properly, knowing what I know about being a brand superhero from the Cardinals, knowing what I know about being a brand advocate and small business owner from Tiny Fox, and now putting it all together in a web-based platform for, for a client. Um, and that, and, and, and bringing what I've learned there back, putting it into tiny Fox as well. Um, so now I'm at factor one as an art director, um, and designing websites by day, still moonlighting with tiny Fox by night, like a superhero. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's given me so much knowledge and insight, even just the, the web is so fast paced and it's always changing and how we present design on it is, is the landscape is ever changing. So it's given me great insight just to see how things are built and how my design translates into code and then how people experience it. So. Cool. So graphic design definitely for the average person is going to be like, Oh, that's just drawing. That's just this. And I don't really see how that's technology or what that is in tech. And for me, because I'm in tech and I understand it, Yes, she draws the concepts, but then the concepts have to be put into a software. <laughs> yes. And firsthand experience as someone who's tried to use these software, <laughs> it is not the easiest thing to do. So just to reiterate that 
a graphic designer is, in my opinion, a tech job because it requires a lot of use of software and technology. So if you can just explain to our listeners the various softwares, because I know you don't even use them all. There's just there's the list could go on and on, but it's not something that you can just pick up and figure out like in two minutes. <laughs> right. If, if you find a designer that can say, oh, I'll do your logo in Photoshop, please run um, and fast. <laughs> um, a photo, Adobe, the Adobe Creative Suite in its entirety is, is where to start. And knowing Photoshop is one very minute aspect of it because there will be photo retouching. That's what Photoshop is for. It's for photo retouching um, and, and some large scale graphics. Um, however, most of my work uh, lives in, in the Illustrator arena, Adobe Illustrator, and, and knowing how to work Adobe Illustrator and build logos from scratch. Um, for those that don't know, Photoshop is all pixel based. So everything is square because it's supposed to be images. Uh, vectorized graphics or things that are done in Illustrator are all math based. So you need to know math to use Illustrator, not in like the whole like calculus sense, but because it is a vector based program and uses math, you need to know how things are going to scale. And that's one of the, the des uh, graph design rules is your logo has to scale, which it can't do in Photoshop. Right. Definitely Illustrator. Um, and, and knowing that is imperative. Um, using Adobe InDesign, which a lot of people do not know what InDesign is or have used it, <laughs> but that is your layout software. So anytime I'm writing a book, making a flyer, um, doing anything that is, is print specific related business cards, etc., those are done in InDesign. That's layout software. And so a lot of people don't even know like they're like, oh, I built this business card in Illustrator. That's like, ooh, <laughs> you know, like a little part of my like design fairy dies, and then I clap and bring it back to life. Um, <laughs> wake up! Um, but InDesign is where you would lay out business cards and letterheads and and all that stuff. Video, you know, you're using Adobe Premiere. You're, I mean, the gamut is so wide in the creative suite, and that's why it's there because yeah. creatives should be should be using that stuff. Um, Adobe XD is where I build my websites. Do not build them in Illustrator, even though that is an option. It's not a bad option. Um, I do not use Dreamweaver. <laughs> I don't. Some people use Figma. I have used Figma before to build websites. Um, but again, these are all kind of like math-based systems, right? Like I'm not building a website in Photoshop because I need a grid. All designs should be on a grid. So you need to know the math to make a grid if one doesn't already exist, right? Because there's some grids that are for certain platforms. Like, hey, you get this certain size grid for a phone, you get this certain size grid for a tablet, and this certain size grid for a desktop. So knowing that information and what those grids are is important. It's important to design because that's that in turn is how your person, whoever's viewing it, is going to view it right? That's their interface, how they're interacting with it. And then are they going to like where you put stuff? Did you have a grid? Because if you didn't, it's not going to make sense. Now you're hurting user experience. So all of these things are so important. But a lot of people, like you said, think Photoshop is, I, I can do a logo in Photoshop. It's like, oh, please don't, don't say that. Um, <laughs> WordPress, etc. all the plugins that go with WordPress. So the list goes on. But those are, those are the high points. So I will say you just taught me a whole bunch that I didn't know. I did not really realize 
the math base behind. I mean, I know Illustrator and Design and all of those, and I look at those and I get in there and I'm like, oh, no, sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting out because I, I, I don't have the capacity to figure out because I've seen other people like, you know, um, Ritter and I've seen you guys design stuff and you guys just drop things in like it's. And so I'm like, oh, I can figure that out. And I'm like, no. I can't figure that out. And we're done. <laughs> so how were, how were your math skills before getting into all this? Or did you like or dislike math? Oh my or gosh, what? my math skills are still piss poor. But, <laughs> but it's kind of like when you're doing woodworking, right? You, you measure twice and you mm-hmm. cut once. So I always double check. Right. I'm always double checking. And um, I just had a, a client at work who needed a banner that's, that was like, I don't know. It was like crazy big. It was building size. So knowing the limitations of even the programs themselves and my poor little baby computer, it's not like small, but like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, I can't easily go in and make a banner that's, you know, 15 foot by 20 foot. Like, I mean, I can, but it's going to literally take me all day because my computers are going to, is going to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. So knowing the math, even just to scale it down to a quarter of the size to design it and then designing everything appropriately math wise to send it to the printer. Right. So I'm not going to pull in a raster object from Photoshop and drop it in Illustrator and or InDesign and be like, OK, this is going to scale up nicely because we know if even if we zoom into 30 percent right. in the math, it's going to be pixelated. Right. So um Part of that was just even learning the, the program and knowing design rules and learning design rules is like, okay, you don't make a banner at full scale because A, the program's going to hate you. And design rules, it, it, it needs to be scalable. So go ahead and scale it down because you're going to scale it right back up. Yeah, because yeah, I can imagine you would never ever be able to see it on your screen. You would be looking at a little corner the whole time and then... You'd be surprised people try it. Because <laughs> yeah, I've gotten some, there are a few times I'd be like, oh, I need to bring this down because you can't, I mean, it's kind of like when you load it, it may load super big and you have to bring it down. But I couldn't even imagine a building size poster or banner. And yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. That's pretty interesting. So you have to know the math, like, okay, if I'm designing it three times smaller so it can fit on my screen and understand it and get everything in there, but the size of all those images has to be big enough in the back end, your metadata, I guess, yes. so that you can then send it to the printer and say, it is this size. Yeah. And, and two, a lot of these graphics, because they are so big, they're big files. Right. So I don't, it's more like for me, it's not that my computer can't handle it. It does go a little bit slower, but now we're wasting time. Yeah. And as a designer, you have to work fast. There's, there's no way around that. Like you, Everybody's given the same 24 hours in a day, but designers, I swear, are given like 20. <laughs> so you have to work quick. And so if it's taking time to load these files and you got something else to do, you've got to be got to be quick. So Interesting. See, this is why I love these conversations. <laughs> it's teaching me as well as the listeners about things that we don't understand. Sometimes, you know, the surface level of various softwares and things, but knowing the back end of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm assuming when you, you know, like when you talked about the math and the matrix and the, um, the grids, that's probably coming from old school, the grid papers that we old school used to do their math and do all their designs on. <laughs> <back> <laughs> you say that. 
It's funny you say that because in in the Bauhaus time, which was in the 20s, um, teens and 20s, um, which is basically where modern graphic design originated from. There was a designer by the name of Jan Schiekold, and he actually is the one who originated putting a grid on paper. And so he did a whole bunch of fun like things with these grids and these layouts and and so many people followed behind him um and that the Bauhaus movement was just so it was such an an integral piece of what graphic design is now and it's almost it's almost crazy to to look at something and it not have a grid it's Mm -hmm. confusing to the eye um because there's no focal point and a lot of people like to go without the grid right they like to be like no we don't need a grid it's fine but but for me in my brain there needs to be a grid, something it needs to be aligned. And so because that has become so much a part of, of who we are, even just visually seeing things as human beings, that's how it translates to web. That's how it translates to everything that we look at. And so um, I was very fortunate, blessed enough to, to be in the ASU um, faculty this, this semester, this last semester. And I was teaching graphic design history, which I love. And um one of the assignments was to find a layout somewhere and look to see if you can find the grid. And they were supposed mm-hmm. to highlight the grid right. and just find just the simple grid. And there's a plethora of grids out there. Now there's a manuscript grid. There's a standard. There's so many types of grids out there. And some people just couldn't see it. And I had to take a step back. And this was one of the first assignments that I had to grade because I had to take a step back and realize that not everyone can see it. And, right. and I'm used to seeing it, right. um, but they don't see the math and how they aligned things. And it's like, oh, well, this is a quarter inch from here and a quarter inch here. So we, like, it was just, it, it was hard for me to fathom that people can see it. Yes, I got it after a while. They're still learning. I was, I went easy on them. I was good. But... <laughs> When you're not looking for it, you it's so subtle, you don't realize it. And um, I'm obsessed with grids. I love grids. So that explains why when we're in church, there's comments on the program sometimes. <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> no lies detected. <laughs> but it, it also reminded me of my, me because, you know, I've done photography, how I see photos in certain ways that other people be like, what? I'd be like too much white space or too much this and too much that. And it's because my eye and I was been trained on being a photographer. And so I see things very different. People are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, my bad. Like I literally, like I can tell when you cropped somebody out of a photo fo- or you cropped yourself out of a photo. Yeah. That is like pet peeve of mine. You're like, I see it. It's like, yeah, you can just tell by your body language, the way you pose, you yeah. wouldn't pose that way by yourself. And that's what people don't understand. So I think certain things are just innate in us. Yes. Um, and we, there's no learning or it's just, you just know when you see. And so that's what it sounds like. So you see grids the way I see photos. Yes. I, 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 I love them. I love them. That that's, that's yeah. That now it's, it's clicking with me. Now what you're saying it's clicking. Cause now I bring it to the photo reference. So in the graphic design world that you're in, what would you say the representation is like for women of color or men of color or just women in general? There is literally this movement in this group that I'm in um, <laughs> called um, Where Are All the Black Designers? Um, we're out there. We're unicorns, right? Like 
we're out there. Um, representation of women, I would say it's 50 50. Okay. There's, a lot, there's uh, for uh, black designers, not so much. Women designers, 50 50. I would say that. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty even. Um, it used to not be, obviously, like a lot of things, um, with the exception of like household things, which they gave all to women. Um, but it, I would say it's, it's pretty balanced, probably still a little bit more men than women. Um, the representation in terms of like persons of color, I feel like there's a lot more black designers up and coming and, and we're out there. We're yeah. out there. Um, it, it, and even with like the, the big push with one of the organizations that I'm with AIGA native Americans, right? Like right. getting their voices out there and, and Asian American, right? Like it's, it's, it was a predominantly white male field. Right. So, um, it's it's slowly the landscape is slowly changing yeah i'll say that the landscape is slowly changing that's good yeah so um when you're in those rooms or if when you've been in those rooms because you've been at you know high end, you know with the cardinals and now with your new company and also within your own small company how the need for diversity in the decisions or the conversations play a part in that in the sense of, and when I say diversity, not just diversity of men and women, but just diversity of upbringing, diversity of thought and diverse, like, because I think, and I mean, I'm, you know, cause I say that because we have a lot of things that come out and you're like, who is in the room to make that damn decision? Like how, how, I mean, did, how do we empower everyone to be in a room to speak up? <laughs> it's the seat at the table conversation. Um, it's, it's very interesting and creative because that does happen a lot. AKA calling on you, Dove. Um, <laughs> the girl that took off her shirt and then it was a white girl who was taking off dirt and it revealed, a, no, it was a black girl that took off her shirt and it revealed a light, white lady. And yeah. Um, well, there's Dove, there's the turtleneck with... Yes, yes. There's... <laughs> oh, the Asian lady putting the black guy in the washer. Um, but to leave race out of this and just speaking of diverse circumstances, it's super important. I How to get more people there, It it's to let people feel comfortable and feeling like they have a voice. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't feel that. And it, maybe it's the way the company's built. And it's just literally saying like, hey, you're a part of this company. You have a voice here. Because a lot of people don't feel like they can. Or they just, they haven't asked because the culture literally makes them feel like they can't. Um, I know my upbringing was a different than a lot of people's upbringing at the Cardinals. Um same with my direct supervisor. So we clicked on that. And I think that helped us just by the way we interacted design and communicated design wise yeah. and designs that we, we liked. Granted, we still had to design within a brand. You're always yeah. going to have to design within a brand. Um, but allowing yourself to pour a little of yourself into it is important because you're going to reach someone else in that same situation. 
Right. And, and that, that should be the ultimate goal for any business is to have a message, a design, a creative, whatever that resonates with, with your target audience. Um, whatever that looks like, it should resonate in a good way. I should probably say that not in a negative way. <laughs> it should resonate in a good way to where they're like, I want that buy-in. And that's, that's what branding is. Right. It's, it's doing it properly. So, um, and, and to be inclusive in the way of thinking and the way, I mean, you can't be, it's hard too, because you can't be too inclusive when you're trying to hit a target audience. Right. If you're selling to, to everyone, you're selling to no one. Right. But um, diverse minds, diverse situations, upbringings need to be, need to be in the room. So with that last statement you just made about you can't sell to everyone, you have there you do have to have a target, but sometimes can that be in the way of because you're so focused on that target, you inadvertently or on purpose put something out there that now offends other people. Yes, that's absolutely bound to happen. That's absolutely you're be, because there's no one to not offend. <laughs> <laughs> there's literally there's literally no one to to not like it's is going to happen. Something you say, something you, you do, how you, even with client, a client that I've had in the past, she didn't like the way I conducted myself because I didn't want to do everything she wanted me to do. Right. Like a lot of people confuse graphic designers and even some graphic designers starting out confuse graphic design with just working the program. I can work Photoshop. I can, I can make it look cool, but then know nothing or enough graphic design principles, graphic design history to actually make an excellent piece of work that then this business or this organization can use. Right. So yeah, you can drop something in the illustrator and you can build something in Photoshop. Um, you can build something in InDesign. Did you check your letting on your type? Did you check your kerning? And if they don't know these things, right. that's scary. Like you're, so you're making pretty pictures and you're hurting the industry. Yeah. So you're trying to appease everyone by just, I can work a program. So for me, I made this person upset because I designed my graphic design rules. Cause right. I offended someone. Right. <laughs> so with that, it, it, it made me come to the thought of is social media hurting your field? In a sense of because people put things out so fast or put things out that, you know, because it only has to fit on this small screen. Yeah. And so they just think it's that simple. Um, no, Fiverr and design and people that think it's that simple. Okay. People, people know people are smarter than we give them credit for. Okay. So they know when something's not consistent, they will pick it up. They know when something looks like, as us designers um, so professionally call it, pupua. They know when something doesn't look good and their gut will tell them, I don't like this. I don't, I don't, I don't, mm, I don't like this. Something's off. So, you know, if your, your logo appears in, in one typeface one day and then another typeface in another day and it's pixelated here and it's up in this corner here and then it's, People see that stuff. Yeah. They see that stuff. Or you write your captions and there's a whole bunch of errors. They see that stuff. And they, the, the trust meter just keeps getting bumped down. And down. They go to your website. 
and it's all pixelated images. Your logo's pixelated. And then that little green box in the corner that says not secure, ain't secure. They're not going to spend any money there. They already don't trust you. Right. So they have a good meter of what they're trusting and who they're trusting. They know, they know. So that part doesn't hurt my business, so to speak. Because a lot of Instagram stuff, even if it's like quickly generated, will speak. What hurts my business is people that go, can you do my logo for $50? (laughs) That hurts my business. And then someone does it, right? Someone does it so they don't see the value in paying me money. But then they'll go to the mechanic or they'll go to the doctor and be like, your bill is $100. And they'll be like, oh, here, it's $100. I have to get it. I don't want to pay it, but it's the doctor. I trust what they say. Or, and or, can I have my logo for $50? person gives their logo does it for $50 in Photoshop I just had to throw that in there so they do the logo in Photoshop and it's for $50 and then that person goes on and makes hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dollars because that's their goal that's a goal of any business to make profit so you're making a ton of profit and you just paid one person $50 yeah you're continuing to make profit but you don't care that this person was just trying to get by and you paid them $50 yeah Or in my case, I went to ASU. I went through a capstone program. Capstone program meaning so many people apply. In my case, I think it was like 100 something, a couple hundred people applied. Only 44 get in. So even after spending the first two semesters of tuition, I didn't even know if I was going to get into the program. Oh, wow. So spent two semesters, supplies, travel, et cetera, tuition to get in there. I got in paid, went through an internship, got a job, got experience. Cause you know, people are like, huh, experience, there you go. Got experience. And you want to pay me $50. Pretty sure Sally Mae is not going to take your $50 payment. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a, you know, yeah. I mean, if you all are interested, Amy has done my website. So <laughs> I can attest to the fact that you will not call Tiny Fox Creative and say, I need a website and I want it this color and I want it look like this. That won't happen. She is going to take you through a whole probably 10, 15 page document of questions that will really make you think about your business. And I think that's the thing that that $50 logo is not going to get you. It's not going to. She wants your your brand to tell your story. So. Yes, do not call. And, and they do that too. They're like, hey, or they'll go, they'll be like, I need $1,000 and I need it to look like Nike. Nike has a brand story. You have a oh, Nike got that logo for free. The real story. $37. Cause, and you did not pay that woman no resembles. <laughs> and it was a college class. And the whole, I don't even know the whole, whole story, but yes. <laughs> she, got, she got her comeuppance in the end. Yeah, I think the story got out. Everybody gets their come up when the story comes out, but you don't get the you don't get to come up when. <laughs> well, Google wasn't much better because the Google logo sold five dollars. Not much better. So, yeah. Some designer who shan't be named, I'm sure it's on Wikipedia somewhere, is kicking themselves. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's because people go to Fiverr and they're like, "Hey, it's five bucks. I can get a logo for five bucks." And, and sure, I can go on Fiverr and make a killing and I would feel disgusting with myself. Not that Fiverr is this 
the worst thing that could happen because there's a lot of people that use fiber and they do great. It's not for me, but that is, that's what kills it because then people come back and they go, well, I'll just go to fiber. And I think fiber for me in the sense of looking at it, it's for, I need something right away. Yes. It is not a long-term. Correct. In my opinion, like, yes, I've used fiber, but it was like, I'm just trying to predict a project really fast. I know Amy's schedule's crazy, so I'm not going to be able to get on her calendar. So I'm going to just go get this flyer, create it real quick, and just keep it moving. Yeah. And to me, that's what it's for. It's not because, you know, some with the flyers and some of the flyers I'm doing with the kids, it's it's the kids. It's, it's simple. Quick, <laughs> quick and easy. But I would not be like, I'm going to build a website through Fiverr. Or, there are tons of people that build websites in addition to flyers, in addition to the whole brand's. I have had to do entire, re- and it's, it's very interesting because I'm using, I want to be very clear that branding is not what people think it is. Just like graph design isn't what people think it is. Branding is your mission, your values, your, t- your client touch points, how you set your voice, your tone, that is branding. Visual branding is your logo, your colors, your typography, like that's, so when I'm saying branding, I mean visual branding. They're going to Fiverr for visual branding. And then they realize, I really don't like it. It's not me. I need something else. And then they come to me and then I fix it. Right. Because Fiverr is no verbal communication. It's all through. um, A lot of people don't know that themselves, right? Because on Fiverr, they're not asking those questions. No one's asking those questions. No, because literally all they it's literally like, what do you want? And it's like. And they'll give you what you want. Right. And it's literally like, cause I mean, like I said, I've used it. And so literally you're fully telling them everything to do. And then they're dumping it in or Photoshop for you. You just don't have the time to do that. And so, yes, like I said, I have used it and I have gotten a few, no one flyer Dawn on it. Um, and then I tried to use it again. And unfortunately not for a flyer, I forget. Oh, for copy. Mm. She didn't follow through. So now I have a credit. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> yeah. So now I have a credit. So, but you know, and I think everything has its value in its place in a sense yeah. of what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it. So, yeah. Um, so being in graphic design and be, having the opportunities that you've had over the years, um, what are some of the personal opportunities that your career has allowed you to have? I mean, you've told us your, so when I say that it's more so like, I mean, I know Amy, so Amy is a runner and be pre COVID. Amy was in probably, I don't know, every race there is traveled for those races, but just like, you know, the opportunities that a career in graphic design has allowed you to have. Cause I think one of the things that sometimes people don't really understand the financial benefit of certain careers. Mm, um, mm-hmm. That is not, it's not a $30,000 job. <laughs> it's not. Um, and the, you know, Maybe when you're starting out, if you're interning, well, as an intern, nobody gets paid, but. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> it's, it, it is a rewarding career. Um, but again, it goes with the experience. So having that experience uh, and, having that experience, the more like any job, the more experience you have, the more you're going to get paid. Um, but it's really how much can you, and I don't mean like use the programs. Like I do logos and Photoshop use the programs. I mean, really use these programs and kick stuff out quickly 
and professionally and look, it's what the client is asking for and needing. Um, It's very rewarding. It can be extremely exhausting, however, and you're in front of a computer. I personally have to schedule breaks and it's because I, I know I'm super, not every designer is like this. I'm super passionate about design. So I will sit my behind here until I get something where I feel it is at a good stopping point. That could be 2 a.m. That could be 6 a.m. And I could have started working at 6 a.m. prior as long as I get it done to the best of my ability. Because when I hand it off to a client at work, to one of my personal clients, it needs to be, it needs to be, it needs to speak for itself. Right. So personally, it's very rewarding. Financially, it's very rewarding as well. Um, But not everybody pays designers what they're worth. Mm. Not because creative is thought of as anyone can do it. No. (laughs) I I can just, no. (laughs) Um, But for me, it's finding that balance, as with any career, it's finding that balance of what what gives you your release? If I'm sitting here all day, I'm running. I'm going somewhere. I'm getting some of this. I'm, I always listen to loud music anyway. So it's just a shift in the loud music that I'm listening to. But I'm listening to music when I'm running. I'm listening to music when I'm here. And that's my release. Meditation and running. Sometimes running is my meditation. Um, and it's cyclical. And Amy doesn't just run in her front of her house. <laughs> She goes on, what is some of the, some of the, I don't even know what they're called. I just see the photos on social media, like some of your runs that you've done. Oh, so Disneyland used to have like the 6K um, or the 10K, 6K, 10K, which was six, a little over six miles. And then they used to have the 1K and 5K. And um, so we used to make a weekend out of it. We would go up and it's themed because we're nerds and, um, Matt does not like to run. My husband does not like to run. So that was like my whole way of getting him to do it with me is like, I'd pay for the run and be like, Oh, I signed you up too. You have to go. Um, Cause you don't want to waste the money. <laughs> and then we would run through Disneyland and you got to see the back lots of Disneyland. And it was such, it was great, great atmosphere. Um, and then we'd go to Disneyland the rest of the day. In costume run. people. She's running. Yeah. We would run in costume and then we'd go back to the hotel and the run is done by like, seven o'clock at the very latest. So you go back, you shower really quick, you know, you get dressed and then you go to the park and then you stay into the park until you close it. You were exhausted, but it was worth. And then we drive home the next day. Yeah, we're crazy, but he doesn't like running. So I just run by myself around my neighborhood, like a crazy person in 110 degree weather. <laughs> I am with Matt on that. <laughs> Runner, I may walk. For 30 minutes, but I'm walking at 4.30 in the morning, not at early. in the evening when somebody is running in 110 degrees. <laughs> but this is my philosophy. I will admit that it's his poor philosophy. It's not a good one at all. It makes no sense. But the faster I get, the less I'm in it. See, it's just, it makes sense in my brain. <laughs> when I speak it, I'm like, that's dumb, but it makes sense in my brain. So if I can get down to my old PR... A little over eight minutes is the longest I'm in it. Right now I'm in it for about 10 minutes. Yeah. In and out. So is there, is there anything else you would like to let our listeners know about your tech job? And gra- I call it a tech job in graphic design because there, I mean, 
there's so much technology that's wrapped around it. There is. Um, even with, you know, talking about branding, there's a lot of conversations that it's not like you just go and create it. So like for me, as in my management information systems background, I don't just go buy a software. I need to know what your business needs are before mm-hmm. you purchase the software. And so you pretty much is that same way. It's like, I don't just design your logo. I need to right. know what you want before I start designing. So is right. there any last words you would like to share? <laughs> um, a brand is a living, breathing thing. So treat it like one, not a stagnant thing on a piece of paper. That helps people look at graphic design different too in their their brand. So brand is a living, breathing thing. And designers just don't make pretty pictures. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. Great closing now. I love the way you ended that. (laughs) Thanks for coming on and having a conversation with me on HTCML. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.